The programme which follows is brought to you by Resonance 104.4 FM. Special guests also Kakadu. Yeah, that's Kakadu you possibly heard there in the background. Mm-hmm. And uh, Pigeon Clementina. And who we... you can't hear and Pigeon Brownie. Yeah, but you might hear the birds flying by because we're presently recording in Berlin. Um just a few days before this goes on air. Do you wanna tell us about where we are in Berlin, Ella? Uh we are in northwest Berlin in the former French sector. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the working class area of Wedding, uh, known as the Red Wedding in the 1920s. Really? Because what? it was very much a, a communist hotspot because there were so many working class people here. Nice, the comrades were here. Yeah, and um, uh, lots of factories around as well, mm. including the Osram Lightbulb Factory, which yeah. is actually not far from here. Oh, am I visiting that actually? <laughs> I've always been fond of light bulbs. Yeah, well, I mean, today we can, you know, we can go there, do the supermarket tomorrow. Yeah, it's, um, to, it's more of a spiritual journey than actually wanting to see it. You know, yeah. Just sort of pay, pay my respects uh, there. To the light bulbs. To the light bulbs, indeed. And so how comes we have birds here? Tell us about Kakadu. Um, well, Kakadu is an artist. Um, could say an environmental artist and Kakadu shares the space together with me. So we live here together, we work here together. Mm -hmm. 
and cockatoo works on their art which is mostly using uh, recycled materials such as recycled paper recycled canvases recycled food mm -hmm. for painting mm -hmm. and all sorts of other um, recycled materials also recycled wood and uh, wood veneer and things and recently cockatoo also got into actually not so recently but they got into um sound art as well so um first album production and now already album recording as well we've actually featured kakadu and and I have to say that kakadu are uh, are their partnership how do they describe their practice i don't know i've been always calling them an artistic tandem that's nice i think mm -hmm. so, you know like those other artistic tandems in i think especially british modern art history they got gilbert and george obviously the yeah main and then there was this other duo from bristol or somewhere they Malcolm, were creating these really uh, funny works Morecambe and wise no that was a joke <laughs> 1960s <laughs> english comedians yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> mind you i've always thought gilbert and george look very much like um Morecambe and wise that's a kind of in art joke somewhere right and well i'm not in art so i don't get it <sighs> So are, but still. Um, we've actually featured Kakadu's work before on Ice Topica when uh, Music for Birds, that was the first one they produced, yeah, is that, that right? Yeah, that was the one that they produced, yeah. And we'll probably feature them again once the album that they recorded mm. is out. In fact, maybe we could play one of their tracks later on in the programme. Absolutely. That's a really good idea. And... Um, Pigeon Clementina here as well is like... I think um, in apprenticeship with Kakadu, um, he has been mostly focusing on learning to play the piano, um, not so much on the visual art side of things. But I think once uh, I'm hopefully going to help you with the setting up of a automated camera to capture Clementine. Um, performances on the piano mm -hmm, because absolutely. you can't predict them and, and you know to capture them you need yeah. an automatic device yeah Clementine is very unpredictable mm. unfortunately and how come you've got pigeons living here inside your apartment what's the how did that come about well um, <laughs> I think the first pigeon that I got round to live with me that was a, an act of desperate procrastination because I remember, I think it was like in 2020, in sort of early spring. Mm -hmm. And I had become member of a Facebook group, which is about um, pigeon emergencies, city pigeon emergencies. Mm -hmm. So there are people, um, animal rights activists, animal uh, protecting people mm -hmm. who um, look after city pigeons. And when they see an injured city pigeon uh, around in Berlin somewhere, then they try to save it rescue it and then bring it to um somebody's home where the pigeon can then recover and get seen by a vet and everything uh -huh. so i joined that group where you know people were posting all the time about pigeon emergencies mm -hmm. and finding possibility of like who can go you know who can help whatever and um, i saw that somebody had just caught the pigeon injured pigeon and she said, oh, 
I'm really in trouble here because I haven't got any more space at my place. I've got already 30 pigeons ah! all in, in little cat boxes. Excuse me for that exclamation. Yeah, it's a terrifying <laughs> thought. Yeah, so she, she was saying, like, I really need some help. I really need someone to take over here and provide um, space for that pigeon mm. to, um, you know, get medical help and recover and house the pigeon until um, the pigeon's ready to go back in the street. And um, I was in the middle of a deadline of a composition mm-hmm. and I was kind of really having to work. But in a desperate act of procrastination, I threw myself out there and said, oh, I'll come and pick up the pigeon. I'll bring the pigeon in. I'll go and see the vet and I'll make sure that the pigeon is fine. So that's what I did. And that's how I ended up having my first pigeon at home. It's, um, I just had to say the pig- uh, the cockadoo, the two of them just flew at high speed, very dramatically into the kitchen. It is really rather exhilarating having them here. Um, that's a really interesting story. I didn't even know that sort of thing existed. And you mentioned um, when you're telling me about pigeons, that there's a kind of colonial aspect to pigeons living in cities, a colonial legacy in that there was a reason why there were so many pigeons. Mm, yeah, because um, pigeons originally come from around the Mediterranean area and also some other places, but kind of warmer places yeah. on the globe. I can't remember exactly, but it's definitely um, true that... Um, Pigeon, mm-hmm. the um, ancestor of the domesticated pigeon, mm-hmm. um, which is called the rock dove as well, or a rock pigeon, mm-hmm. uh, lives on the cliffs around the Mediterranean Sea. So, for example, they would have been native to Spain, but also probably to North Africa and okay. places like that. Mm-hmm. And pigeons were domesticated thousands and thousands of years ago. And as they got domesticated, they kind of um, changed genetically a little bit. So instead of, for example, having just one breeding season a year, pigeons were bred so that they would breed all year round. So uh, people would have more pigeons, more eggs, more and more and more and more. And and pigeons had several uses. I think people used, of course, used to um, train them to deliver uh, messages and things. So you have the carrier pigeon. Yeah, classic. Um, and of course, also, I think people used to then eat also pigeon uh, meat and they used to probably also eat pigeon eggs and things. And people had like big, big dovecots um, oh, yeah, that's, everywhere. That, that's a particularly interesting thing because I've just always taken dovecots for granted that you see in the countryside and things. Mm. It's really strange, almost follies that were made for pigeons to live in, but that was a practical reason. Yeah, yeah, there was a practical reason. And pigeons, I think they used to be kept um, throughout Europe, you know, not only in the warm Mediterranean countries, but they were also kept um, in Germany, definitely, mm-hmm. and probably in other Central European countries in France, probably in England, you yeah. have dovecots, you know, and the pigeons, they're they got kind of taken from their native environment and brought over like more and more north and also over to North America then and everywhere, you know, people were going and the pigeons were going. And at some point people didn't want to keep the pigeons anymore because it wasn't practical, it wasn't needed anymore, perhaps. And then they just kind of abandoned them in the middle of wherever, you know, cities. We missed a trick there. Do you remember when we were looking up and we discovered that um, there was amazing Iranian dovecots, yeah, which were made yeah. in that beautiful sort of geometric um, 
very mathematically designed architectural style um, in such a way they're kind of like cones, tapering cones, very, very tall structures, which you can still see in Iran in some mm. places. Yeah, they're called pigeon towers, I pigeon think. Pigeon towers, yeah. yeah, as opposed to the dovecot here. And the reason they were designed that way, so that the pigeon poo basically all collected at the bottom of the tower, and the same with the dovecots here. So the pigeons were providing a source of food, of eggs, of messaging, an early form of SMS, and fertilizer. Yes, Yes, also fertilizer, yeah. yeah. And then I guess when telegrams, electricity, telephones and synthetic fertilizers came in, we had no more use for them. Mm -hmm. And they weren't sort of given a nice retirement and thank you very much, here's a gold watch and you can go back to the Mediterranean, but they were just abandoned in the cities. Now to the point of being considered urban rats and things by many mm. people, which yeah, is just a classic colonial attitude. Yeah, it is a very classic colonial attitude because you bring over um, a species mm -hmm. or a nation or a race of people to come and do work for you yeah and then once when you know like you don't want them anymore because you don't need their work anymore or anything you know you just kind of kick them out and say fend for yourselves and then you start calling them pests and um benefit scroungers and whatever um, absolutely you know? yeah yeah and uh yeah i mean that's what i yeah i mean it's probably not only colonialism it's also just uh, essential to capitalism this way of kind of like uh, using yeah you know, exploitation, exploitation, exploitation yeah. being exactly. rather than living in harmony with nature, because there's a nice element there of using the um, bird poo. But it was kind of, you know, they were forced, they were relocated so they could collect their poo. Um, there's all yeah, sorts Clementina of stories. Clementina has something to say about yeah. that. Sorry, Clementina, did I interrupt you? Yeah. She's getting very heated there. Yeah, I think it makes makes Clementina very angry. Yeah. This whole... And so I think anyone out there that's interested in this as a theme can probably find online that there are actually pigeon rescue groups in England everywhere. And if you're interested, please feel free to look it up or drop us a line at Isotopica. Mm. And also, you know, um, I mean, pigeons might not be that obsolete as message, message carriers either because... I read about it in Brian the Pigeon's blog, which is called, I think, pigeonblog.com. Okay. Um, that in Africa, uh, in South Africa, there was an internet company whose service was very bad and the internet was very slow. And then in order to prove their point, one of the people, it decided that, you know, they're going to compare how fast an email goes over this internet provider or via a pigeon. Mm -hmm. And they send the message with a pigeon as well as over the internet and the pigeon got there first. That's quite incredible. But I'm just, just thinking of the drawbacks of actually having to carry a number of pigeons in your pocket, especially <laughs> when you're sort of having a long distance flirt or something. It could get quite overwhelming, the number of pigeons you'd actually have to carry <laughs> or that kind of particular kind of texting, but still. Well, I think it would mean less dick pics, which is generally a good thing. You'd the pigeons to... would refuse that, do you think? Well, you know, you'd have to consider how many you can send. Yeah. Having never seen Fewer unsolicited dick pics, in any case, it's a good uh, idea. It's not something that I've ever had to worry about personally, but I do understand it's an issue out there. Um, 
This is a setup, I guess, for a very bird-themed edition of Isotopica, which isn't the first and certainly won't be the last. Um, as last night, Elo and I, I'm basically visiting in Berlin for a few days. Elo and I do lots of various works together and things, and merely as an excuse to be here to hang out with one of my best friends. Ah, isn't that nice? And. Ella took us for a treat last night to... Where did we go, exactly? Uh, we went to a park in Wedding. Mm -hmm. I don't want to... Uh, I, I want to keep the location secret. Good. I want to keep the park a bit secret. That's nice. Berlin's parks are so overrun with um, people. Okay. Tourists. Yeah. <laughs> I just but... want, I want to keep my own um, home park a bit secret. I know. That, do you remember when we actually mentioned Venice on Isotopica and it's apparently appalling there now with so many tourists, so mm. big ships and everything arriving. Um, why? Tell me what's so special about this park, because this is what we're going to be listening to just after this introduction. Well, it's a really big um, green area in the northwest of Berlin and... Uh, Berlin's really famous for its nightingales. Okay. And they all come and sing in all these various green areas of Berlin. Mm -hmm. And in this big park, there is also lots of nightingales. So we actually got to go last night on a walk around midnight. And it's a little bit of field recording with Elo and I strolling through the Berlin park past midnight, recording the sound of the Nightingale song is very, very beautiful and really quite almost a mystical experience, I have to say, having done that last night. And we're going to be playing about 30 minutes of our stroll, a little bit of conversation, but mostly ambience and nightingales being ever so, ever so charming. And we're going to, what are, we're going to play some, Ella's chosen some music to play around we're going to have some Kakadu produced album, which is from Music from Bird, Music for Birds CD that Ello played on with. Mm -hmm. How many musicians the, was that? Uh, three. Who was, was playing? Three musicians who was playing. Yeah, you can also find it on Bandcamp, Music for Birds. Simon actually designed the cover, mm -hmm. which was also very, very, very nice. And there's a new one coming up called Music with Birds. And just on that cover theme, um, Ella and I were almost finished the cover for the next album. And what a delight it was, because um, one of the good things about collaboration, of course, is doing things you ne never have considered. And Ella came along with some of Kakadu's raw material. Was that actually Kakadu's work? That we yeah, that was Kakadu's work. That was photos of Kakadu's work and that work as we're sitting here, it's mm. actually just right behind you. Okay. And what it what it is, it's a A1 sheet, which is covered in, uh, to an untrained eye, it looks like nesting material, um, twigs. Which is true. It is true. Absolutely true. One nesting, of its yeah. intentions was definitely nesting material, absolutely. Yeah, and this is on a large sheet of paper. And lots and lots and lots of bird poo which is all their processed food and nibbling material and we scanned this at very high quality and we've used that for the album cover so it's the first album cover i've ever worked on that is basically designed from bird poo and it's going to be quite gorgeous we'll try and maybe we'll put one of the pictures up online at theculture.net if you want to follow the links there, you may find this episode up there online. 
Ähm, Clementine is getting very excited now over there because um, we're going to be playing our psychogeographic field recording in Berlin. Ella Massing and Simon Tischko in conversation, Berlin. Nightingales. Nightingales in May 2022. And we will have a word or two after we've listened to that. Hope you enjoy. Sit back, close your eyes and imagine yourself. Berlin's and Nightingales. So, um, where are we, Ella? We are in Berlin. Whereabouts in Berlin? We are in uh, the northwest of Berlin. Mm -hmm. And uh, we can hear the Berlin nightingales. Yep. Berlin's famous for its nightingales. I had no idea. Yeah, no, I didn't before I moved here. But apparently, like, Berlin has one of, uh, kind of, Germany's or even Europe's biggest concentration of nightingales. That's really rather wonderful, so... It's quite incredible to hear this in the middle of the city. Yeah. Berlin is a very green city. So there's lots of quite parks and places where the nightingales, they like to come and sing. Mm-hmm. And uh, one funny thing is that... Oh, I can see animal eyes, look. Can you see? Yeah, look. Animal eyes? Look. Oh, something. Look, in there, there's little lights running about. Look. Oh, I think it's a dog. With, with a oh, collar. Oh, a blinky blink with a blinky collar, okay. yeah. Oh, my God, yeah, that would make more sense. Yeah, I got a bit how scared. Do how do we get the eyes lighting up? Yeah, exactly, I got a bit scared. Like, oh, my God, I can see animal eyes. Uh -huh. Look here, we can really hear... If we stand here for a bit, okay. we can hear the nightingale. Nice. Quite Let's close. just have some ambience. Can you just flip it up the other way? Because the light is dazzling and I'm losing. That's better. Thank you. And there, you've changed sides. Yeah. We've changed sides. Exactly. Stereo images. You know, it's interesting, nightingales sometimes pick a very noisy place where to sing, like by a road, where oh. lots of cars go by. Grosvenor Square. Okay. No, it wasn't Grosvenor Square, was it? I, I keep getting that wrong, because a nightingale sang in something square in London town. There's a film and a song. Oh, yeah. Possibly.
I think there's at least four that we can hear at the moment. further into the dark. Yeah. Something smells rather wonderful as well. Mm. So yeah, we're in northwest of Berlin and it's around midnight. I can hear sounds like techno over there. It might just be the car. No, it isn't. Oh yeah. Another feature of Berlin is that people come to parks and they party at night. Okay. Well, I was hoping that they wouldn't come to this park because it's actually a little bit far away from the trendy young people areas. Well, how come we're here? The real trail crazes. Okay. They're always coming after us. As ever. Closer to the techno and further away from the mating gates, but not over there. Oh, here. There's another nightingale nearby. Mm. It's funny because the techno seems to be coming from that direction. Yeah, in the mm. mic, no, the, 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 um, you're holding the recorder upside down to hide the light which has now gone off from us so, so I can turn it back round. Yeah. That's the nice game there. really near. Mm. It's just like about 100 meters that way. Okay. We're next to a graveyard at the moment. Can't hear any of the ghosts. Just here. Can you see any? I can see light. There's a, there, that's great because some of the memorials seem to be illuminated. Yeah. I think people There's come. One. A beautiful, really long, plaintive one.
the nightingale doesn't mind the techno. They're definitely ignoring the rhythm. But they have a remarkable rhythm of their own. It's very complex. And there's so much call and response. walk to the lake and see if there is any. I'm following you. Okay, so maybe I'm just going to go like this and we can go through. Having complained about the light on that earlier, I wish it was on again now because I can't yeah. even see the ground. We don't need to put it on. We can just walk across here, yeah? Mm. Yeah, we can walk across here, but it's a little bit of a hill here. We have to go down. sound of me tripping down the hill. Can we point over there for a minute because I'm really getting like a really strong image across the whole set of trees here. Hearing those faint beats from somewhere. Beats? Yeah. Oomch, 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 oomch. Well, I don't have really the headphones sure. on, but behind, without the headphones on, the beats are really loud. Maybe the mic's redirectional. Sometimes you know you can find a tree when they're really singing quite low on the branches mm. and they don't fly away when you come near. Then you could just like, if you had a stick, put the microphone on a stick and just put it maybe really near to the nightingale. We'd probably have to get um, um, an audio release so when they sign it. 
<laughs> oh dear, the techno seems to be coming. Yeah, now from you... behind us. Hmm? From behind us. Yeah, that's it. Now you're pointing towards it. It's mm. very loud, isn't it? Yeah, it's really loud. Here to the left. Should we go and see? Look, it, yeah, and then it's techno to the left and nightingales to the left. Yeah, the nightingales really don't seem to mind the noise. Sometimes they really pick a tree that is like by a really busy street. This is a remarkable combination. It's very Berlin, isn't it? Berlin is the nightingale capital. Let's just walk down a circle. Maybe the techno is a blessing, so I'd be worried that the recorder would pick up my tinnitus. <laughs> well, you're such an interesting image. One nightingale to the right and the other one to the left. I can also smell really strong marijuana. Oh, sorry, should I have waited? We try and walk into the darkness over on the other side. See okay. so from here from there. Yep. The distant techno like that it reminds me of being in Umbria and various other places in Italy. It's a really late night. The discotheques in the distance are just echoing through the hills. 
like a motorbike or a chainsaw. Here, we're absolutely surrounded. Let's, should we do a 360? Okay. Okay. Then. Berlin is the techno capital and the lighting capital. It's a remarkably dark sky for a city. It'd never be as dark as this in London. Mm. I think Berlin also has some sort of special um, kind of law about street lighting. Okay. If you notice, that usually the street lighting is quite low. Yeah, okay, that's interesting. It's quite dark, yeah. you know, compared to other cities. Which is very nice because then you don't have so much light pollution. It's yeah. It's, it's very interesting, and apparently, I haven't followed up on it yet. But there's um, there's an ecological downside to having the lights really low and going down. Uh -huh. I think for insects, for some reason. insects. I don't know why, it's just because the... So no, I mean insects like to fly towards the light. Yeah, which is a bad thing because they, um, they've got other things they should be doing at night. Mm. And the downward light is good for birds, but maybe worse for insects. Mm. Mm. Smells like cooking. Oh my god, did, can, like that, you know, sometimes the smell brings back a strong memory. Mm. That took me back. I'm going to reminisce here. Well, no, I'll just tell you what the memory is. Um, Poland in the 1960s. And being outside, possibly near Sopot, which is on the coast, a seaside resort, where we were holidaying briefly. And the smell of... Barbecue would be the wrong word, but it was probably sausages cooking outside. I guess barbecue or such, but... And the lights fadely in the trees there, just that was a... That was an aid memoir that really kind of...
came on strong. Yeah, it's funny how sometimes, like, the smallest thing brings back a really big feeling or memory. There's many different connections as well, in that I understand um, some people that suffer from epilepsy will taste something, smell something, or taste something just before a major fit. Mm. So there's major neurological connections with all of these things that one wouldn't consider. It could be the smell of chocolate or something, or a particular kind of chocolate just before losing consciousness. This feeling of standing in the dark and listening takes me back to my very early sort of radio experiences as a child, which I've heard so many other people that work with sound expressing, is the sound between radio stations, you know, when you're tuning on the AM dial, the long wave, and it would always seem to be at some point some sort of Tyrolean music coming in over the horizon and sort of tune away from it to something else and the voice would come. But that's the audio sound, but what I'm experiencing here is something in the pit of my stomach and it's a sense of space and vastness and also being connected to that. And as a child, I marveled at that at times. And I think that's continued into stuff I do with sound now. You know, sometimes I um, recognize the nightingales from year to year. Or rather, I recognize the places where they always come back to. That's interesting. Because they have this habit of coming back to the same tree mm. every year and singing there. Holidaying Berlin again this year. Yeah. Mmm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> such a lovely smell of grass. Hay. Mm. This really is a case of, as, it get, as it's darker here, um, the other senses are really become more acute. Do you feel that in your belly? I feel it in my uh, nose. <laughs> you hear it in your nose? Yeah. You know how sometimes you hear with your whole body? Mm. Like you hear with your back and and your arms and everything. I'm not sure I would have used the word here. Explain, what do you mean by that? Well, it's like, you know, when your entire body is so actively listening to perceiving the space and everything around you. I guess that's what I'm talking about in different words. My stomach always seems to be very active. 
And they know there's more nerve endings around the stomach or nerve connectivity than in the brain. Can that be true? Can that be accurate? Certainly serotonin is, you know, there's more serotonin activity than neurotransmitter in one's belly, so. I think I've heard that there are more nerve endings going from the stomach to the brain than there is from the brain coming to the stomach. Okay. Might be wrong. stars look on the horizon over there actually they've just clouded over as I said that stars were particularly bright there but they've really gone behind that cloud which I didn't even see coming yeah it's quite sort of semi-cloudy I think I can even see a few bats still flying It starts like on the horizon, just above the horizon there. Could even be that low on the horizon, could even be a planet. I have no idea. I must have told you that I always say it's one of my favourite ever text messages. It was from one of the original Resonance FM broadcasters, Bridget Nichols, who used to do a programme called Creature Comforts. And Bridget a very well respected entomologist amongst many other things very talented and interesting woman and she sent me a text um, one late afternoon and it just said would you like to meet me by the serpentine at dusk and we can test out my new bat detector to which the answer just had simply had to be yes and it was remarkable how many different species did you find i don't remember the details the the other sort of pipistrel is it pipistrel pipistrelli yeah pipistrel is the um, Mm. uh, pond bat Mm. i think Mm -hmm. quite small Mm. they fly over ponds and lakes well there were a lot of those but we didn't do anything that exhaustive because Bridget being always been quite mischievous she started to offer the headphones to tourists walking past and um, really confused a Russian family who happened to be there I think they thought we were testing them for radioactivity they weren't quite (laughs) sure what they were listening to But, I mean, if she was an entomologist, what was she more interested in, the insects or the bats? Um, as I say, her 
interests and I think I'm going to lose detail there but she did say that she had the deluxe edition <laughs> of the bat detector which came um, compliments of the respect that the particular Royal Society or whatever of held of her, held for her the Royal Society of it could have been the Royal Entomological Society, but, you know, I'm into making up as I go along mode if I say too much more. You know, we're actually quite near the Tegel Airport. Oh. No. But um, it was closed down. Mm. About two years ago. Yeah. I feel quite Unfortunately, sad for me some too. Me too. It's a really nice old sort of 60s, 70s airport. Yeah. I remember it well. I think sadness particularly came, or was probably informed by the fact that I'm still living under the full size wing of a Dakota aeroplane, which was, of course, one of the main aeroplanes that flew the Berlin airlift in the 1940s. Really, was it? Yeah, absolutely. It was the it was the workhorse. Douglas Dakota DC three. And I suppose the sadness came from the hope that one day the aeroplane that's more or less stuck in my flat would maybe fly off to Tegel Airport one day. <laughs> <laughs> Knowing its way home like the nightingales do. Yeah. Because um, after they closed it down, mm. I think that was in late 2020. Yeah. And then a bit later, they made it into a big vaccination center oh. for COVID. Mm -hmm. And now it's a refugee center. Oh my. Good. I remember in spring 2020. Mm. I used to cycle to Tegel yeah. to experience the closed airport, okay. all the grounded planes and mm -hmm. all the uh, the the tableaus all the empty, all the um, you know the information tabs. Yeah, of course. Everything said cancelled, cancelled, cancelled. Oh, beautiful. Thinking about the refugee centre, it's somewhat different to the. British government approach, which is rather than setting up a refugee centre and welcome and the support, is to drown them instead. Or to send them off to Rwanda, as I've yeah. heard. I think it's an either or, isn't it? Yeah. But you know, the UK government's not the only one sending refugees to Rwanda, Denmark does that as well. Despair. It's interesting because we're walking here and what seemed to me that that would be a really nice place for some nightingales to sing mm. around here. But it seems to be very quiet. Much more dense trees and more isolated. But I was going to say the trees are blocking some of the techno but I think the DJ just a little break. 
hands in the air moment. I think it's just coming on wafts of wind or something. Is that wafty wind or wafts of wind? <laughs> <laughs> Tail on the train when I was lost on the train the other night. Did you? Yeah. I can't have been. That's how lost I was then. Mm. <laughs> I thought well, I mean, there, I thought, there I are thought, no tails, that, uh, there are no trains going to tail. Yeah, I should, never have been. I should change that to I thought I went past Tegel. Oh, you know what you went past? Pretty right. sure you went past Tempelhof. Oh, the other airport. Oh my god, of course, Templehof. Yeah, that, that's I thought we were talking about. Silly me, it's Templehof. Yeah. Templehof was the one that had the Berlin Elif, not yeah, Pagel. Yeah. Okay. That's so unlike me to get facts completely wrong. Yeah, and I didn't even realise. <laughs> I never do. I mean, I've given up worrying about it. Yeah, because Tegel didn't even exist during the airlift. <laughs> listening to this when we broadcast it, we broadcast it. Apologies to all the historians out there. You can put those angry pens down. Well, you can write complaint letters. Please do. Simon will be happy to receive letters. Hmm. Many of them might actually get confused with the bills letters that I never opened. <laughs> We sometimes get the sound of wind in the microphone. Mm. I can't decide whether it's enough to be bothered about to stop and no, it's fine, put I'm the sure. cover on. Right. You can pause at any time. A lonely car? No. Just there was a bubbly bird noise. It sounded more like a wood pigeon, but it wouldn't be at this time of night, would it? I didn't hear that.
That's a beautifully ex executed three-point turn by that rather aged but lovely white van there. Funny through the headphones, the cars sound a little bit like aeroplanes. Mm -hmm. Should we go across or shall we go back? Let's pause the tape for a moment and we'll make a decision. You have been listening to iStopka here on Resonance 104.4 FM. It's me, Simon Tishko, and Ella Massing. And you can find out further details sometimes if you look on the website, being theculture.net. We've really enjoyed being with you. I've really enjoyed being here with you, Ella, here in Berlin. You're welcome. And we'll hopefully catch you same time, same place. Resonance 104.4 FM, London, next Sunday, 7pm to 8pm. Say goodbye. Catch you later. Bye. Bye. This program was brought to you by Resonance 104.4 FM. If you've enjoyed what you've listened to, you can support Isotopica by going directly to our website being www.theculture.net slash support. All the engineers, program makers and artists at Resonance FM provide their work on a voluntary basis. Resonance FM can be found at resonancefm.com. Thank you for listening to Resonance FM.